I'm your host, Seth Day, and you're listening to Rad Child Podcast. First of all, hi, welcome. Thank you so much for being here for our first episode. Technically not our first episode. It's a little preview mini episode as a thank you to just the overwhelming amount of um, love and support on our Kickstarter. Um, It's really, really been a nice surprise and I'm, I'm really overwhelmed with the amount of people who are just as interested and passionate about this project as I am. So thank you so, so much to everyone who's been able to donate and share. Um, And uh, hopefully this is a good little reward and a little taste of what's to come. So since this is our first episode, I thought I would take a minute and just tell you a little bit about myself. Um, I'm a nanny. I've been working as a nanny for about five years now. And my background, though, is actually in art education. So I have experience working with very, very young children uh, from about two months old to about 13, um, and even older sometimes in the education setting. I also worked as a museum educator for a little while in New York City. So I've got experience kind of all over the place. (laughs) Bottom line, I'm just really, really passionate about working with kids. So for this first little mini-sode, um, I, it's just going to be me. Usually I would have a panel of guests on, but uh, it's just you and me today. You're stuck with me. Sorry. You're welcome. Both? <laughs> Hopefully you're welcome. Um, but I wanted to talk about a topic that I feel very passionate about and very personally connected to. Um, and this is a question that I get asked a lot about parents as somebody who is transgender. A lot of parents who I'm working with or just who I know will ask me, well, how do I talk to kids about the existence of trans people, right? Especially if it's me, if I'm the trans person in their life, they're like, well, you know, how, how do we bring that up to our child? Do we bring that up to our child? I think that a lot of times we get caught up in this idea that children can't understand a lot of things, and I think that that's not giving them enough credit. I think that kids are really smart right from the get-go. I think that even infants, toddlers, are really smart and can understand a lot more than adults often give them credit for, and I think that the idea that the existence of trans people is something that kids can't understand or a transition is something that kids can't understand is actually really insulting to their intelligence in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, we tell kids all kinds of things that are much harder to believe than, you know, oh, your friend was going by she and now they're going by he. You know, their whole life everyone thought that they were a girl, but actually, you know, they're really a boy. That How long did that take me to explain? Not very long. <laughs> And I mean, you know, we're, we're teaching kids things like we live on this orb that is floating around in a bunch of blackness and it, and it rotates, it orbits around a burning star. To me, that sounds a lot kookier than just, than explaining someone transitioning. We teach kids these concepts that are complicated and we expect them to understand. Uh, And I don't think that this should be any different. I think that it's just something totally normal that we should be explaining and talking to kids about, just like we teach them anything else. 
And so I wanted to talk a little bit about a personal experience that I had with a kid I was working with. Um, so I was nannying this kid who was about four years old and he still needed help going to the bathroom. So I would go into the bathroom with him. And one day he was using the bathroom and I was with him and he said, I have a penis. Do you have a penis? Because he's four <laughs> and four-year-olds you know, want to connect in any way that they can. And so I said, no, I don't. Um, I have a vagina. I said, some, some boys have vaginas and some boys have penises. Some girls have vaginas and some girls have penises. And, you know, some people have different words for their anatomy. And, you know, some people don't identify as a boy or a girl. And he took a beat and just sort of thought about it and then said, so you're a boy and you have a vagina. And I said, yes. And he said, I'm a boy and I have a penis. I said, yes. And he said, okay, can we go play with trains now? And that was the whole conversation. <laughs> Took less than five minutes and he got it. And he would check in every so often, like every couple of weeks or so, he would say, okay, you're a boy and you have a vagina. And I'd say, yeah. And he'd be like, okay. And he'd move on with his life. And it wasn't difficult for him to understand. He totally got it. And so I think that the idea that kids can't understand those things, again, it's like, well, they, they can't. And I think sometimes we use that idea as a way to protect ourselves from having to explain things that we don't know how to explain. And I think that's part of why I really want to be here and I really wanted to start this podcast is I want to help give people the tools to explain those things. And so anyway, getting back to this kid I was nannying, flash forward a couple of months and we were on an elevator and there was a woman in the elevator with us, a woman who we did not know. And <laughs> this kid was he was in this phase where he was really obsessed with the fact that animals also had genitals. So we were going to visit my apartment, um, to see my cats for the first time. He really loved cats, but his parents were allergic, so they couldn't have one. So we're going to my apartment and he looks up at me in the elevator and goes, do your cats have penises? <laughs> and you know, like the lady and I kind of have like a, ah, oh, kids, like, you know, moment we look at each other like, Oh, kids, you know, they're so funny. And, I'll, and so I answer him and I say, Nimbus has a penis, but Chloe doesn't have a penis. And this woman takes it upon herself to turn to him and say, Chloe has a vagina because she's a girl like me. And I kind of took a beat because I was so caught off guard by this, like the, it's just totally inappropriate conversation to be having with a stranger's child, right? Like very bizarre. And before I even had time to answer, the kid responded, um, no, girls can have vaginas or penises. To which the woman responded, no, 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 girls only have vaginas. To which he responds again, no, anybody can have anything. Girls can have vaginas or penises. And I watch as this full-grown woman gets into an argument with a four-year-old and is losing. Like, he is full-on, he is full-on owning her in this conversation. And she's just getting so upset. And so I get to the point where I interject and I say, you know, he has a trans person in his life, so we're teaching him that you know, we're teaching him that everybody can have any parts, just the truth. <laughs> and she takes a minute and she kind of huffs up and gets this like disgusted, contorted face and says, 
That's disgusting. Even if they cut it off, they're still a man. And at this point, the elevator opens and she leaves. And I'm standing there, kind of like looking down, looking up like, the trans person was me. <laughs> like, I, I am standing right in front of you. So like, first off, you can't even fathom that trans men are a thing that exists, which is like a whole interesting thing, like about what the common, you know, what the average person knows about transness. It's sort of baffling to me. And as I leave the elevator, the kid turns up to me and says, that lady was really confused. <laughs> and I just thought that was such, such an amazing moment where this, this four-year-old, I mean, not, I don't necessarily know that that, that was a teaching moment for that woman that she walked away like, wow, that four-year-old really knew something. But like that four-year-old knew more correct information than an adult because we took the time to talk to him about it. And he was 100% able to understand that enough that he could explain it to someone else. So I guess the whole point of this just being, I think that kids can understand so much more than we give them credit for. I'm also a really firm believer in the idea that there is nothing that is inappropriate to talk to children about. I think that there's a way to make anything age appropriate because I'm an educator and I can't help myself. Um, I'm just going to give a quick example. So let's say you have a child who is eight years old and they have a friend who was previously going by Noah and he, him pronouns, and now is going by Nora and she, her pronouns. The child is maybe confused by this and doesn't understand. Or maybe they're still calling their friend by their um, their old name, which will sometimes be referred to as a dead name, um, and their incorrect pronouns. So, for example, I might say, well, you know, when, uh, when we're born, grown-ups make a guess about our gender based on our bodies. They look at our bodies and they say, hmm, well... I think maybe this is a boy, but really it's just a guess. And for some people, that guess was right. Uh, so what about you? Do you feel like a boy or a girl? How do you feel? Okay, you feel like a boy. And when you were born, um, you know, grownups looked at your body and said, hmm, we think it's boy. And there's actually a word for that when the guess that grownups made is the same as how you feel. We call that cisgender. For some people, that guess wasn't right. So for Nora, for example, grown-ups guessed boy, but really Nora's a girl. They made a mistake. They guessed wrong. And that happens sometimes. The word for that is transgender. So Nora is transgender. And even though for a long time, some people thought that she was a boy and called her by a different name, now she said, hey, I'm a girl. And North knows her body best because it's hers. Everybody knows their own body best. So it's really important to respect Nora by calling her by her name and using she, her when we talk about her. So it doesn't feel good when people don't call us by a name we like. It's just like, you know how your name is Nick and you don't like it when people call you Nikki. It's the same thing, right? It's not respectful to call you Nikki when you're asking to be called Nick. So we need to make sure that we're respecting Nora by calling her Nora and by using she, her when we talk about her. So that might be a way that I explain that to an eight-year-old, which is going to be a little longer than maybe how I would explain it to a four-year-old. I'm also a really big supporter of having these conversations with children before they even ask. 
because likely if they're asking, they've heard about it somewhere else, they're getting information from somewhere else, and I think it's important that, especially with topics that might be a little more delicate, um, we want to be making sure that they're getting the correct information from us, not from other sources. So not to say that other sources aren't useful, but if they're maybe hearing about, you know, I guess it kind of depends on the topic, but if they're getting information, you know, from their friends, might not be, you know, other 12-year-olds might not be the most accurate information, depending on what we're talking about, right? I'm a really big fan of children's books, and I think that they're a really great way to introduce and have those conversations about, you know, all different kinds of topics. And they're a medium that kids are already familiar with, so I think it's even easier. Uh, it's a really good way to connect with them at their level. And there are so many great children's books that have what we call incidental inclusion, meaning, for example, the book might not be, let's take race, for example, the book might not be, hey, I'm a person of color and this book is about me being a person of color. But it might be a book about all different kinds of kids, for example, and there might be a family of color in the background uh, or a family with two moms in the background. or you know, So it's not the whole point of the story, but it's normalizing those things. And I think it's really, really excellent to have books like that and to be normalizing all different kinds of things, whether it's race, whether it's sexuality, disability, gender, all of these different kinds of things. Because regardless of what our values are, the fact of the matter is that our kids are going to see these things out in the world. Um, different people exist. And so I think that it's a really great way to incorporate that. So for this particular topic, when we're talking about gender, there's a really excellent book that I will never stop recommending. I love it so much. It's called Who Are You? The Kid's Guide to Gender Identity. It's by Brooke Pesson Wedby. Um, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right, Brooke. If you're listening to this and I'm not, please let me know. Um, but it's a really excellent book, honestly, even for adults. Um, it's a really great just baseline. That's actually where I got a lot of that description of it starts out by saying, you know, when uh, when somebody is pregnant, right, when a baby's being born, everybody will ask, is it a boy or a girl? And, and grownups make a guess based on their body, but, you know, that's, um, that's your sex. It talks about the difference between sex and gender and gender expression, right? There's a, a beautiful two, two um, full spread pages where it's like a bunch of different clothes and you can ask the kids, well, what clothes do you like? Or it's a bunch of different toys on the next page and it asks kids, you know, what toys do you like? Uh, and that way kids can talk about, right, how, you know, maybe they feel like a boy, but they like dolls as a toy, like, and that's okay and that's valid. And so it's a really, really excellent book. Um, and in the back, actually, there's even a little wheel that kids can uh, manipulate that has, like, you know, I had a body that made grownups guess, you know, this. I, um, you know, I am this. I like these things. And they can switch that around, which is a really fun uh, tool. There's even, like, in the back, there's, um, like, tips for grownups to use the book. It's recommended for older, like, I think, five and up or six and up. I've used it with infants. I mean, you can read a book to anyone. Um, but obviously I'm not going to be having in-depth conversations about gender with two-year-olds, <laughs> but I still, again, I think it's great to even open up these conversations and just, um, have that being normalized from infancy, from birth. 
Um, so yeah, that, that's my book recommendation of the day. I will link that in the show notes as well. Um, and one other thing that I do want to say about the book is it's also inclusive of intersex folks. For folks who may not be familiar, intersex is a term that describes folks that is genitalia or chromosomes, etc. Um, and basically, so they basically bodies who that don't fit into the quote unquote stereotype of a or the medical definition of what a male sex body or a female sex body looks like. I realize that I'm using air quotes right now around male and female, <laughs> and uh, you can't see them, so I was using air quotes. So yeah, again, I just cannot recommend this book highly enough. If you are interested in other books that feature trans characters or other books about having those conversations with kids, you can go on our website, www.radchildpodcast.com, and if you click the link all the way to the right on the top, there's a children's book list that has suggestions for all kinds of um, books for having conversations about gender, um, sexuality, and lots of other uh, other topics. Right now, it's mainly focused on LGBTQIA issues because I originally made it for that purpose. But as we do different topics, um, it's going to be expanding. So if you have any suggestions, please, please send them in because I have not read every children's book in the world. <laughs> So I think that more or less wraps things up. Woohoo! We did a little episode. I'm really excited, y'all. This is fun. Um, so there are a couple of things I wanted to address about things that I said that I sort of thought about after the fact. So first of all, my examples of transness in this episode were very binary. Binary referring to the gender binary of the idea that there is this... Um, this binary, this duality of man and woman, uh, and on one side is men and on one side is women. So there's a lot of, people define this a lot of different ways, but the easiest way to think about it is there's also a lot of other stuff in between those two things of man and woman, right? And so my examples of transness in this episode were very binary for the purpose of what we were talking about. There are also a lot of other identities besides man and woman, even for trans people. It's not just trans man or trans woman. And we're going to talk about that in another episode, so stay tuned for that. Uh, the other thing that I wanted to address is that in the story that I told, I used the word vagina. I personally prefer the word vulva because vulva actually refers to the entire thing. Vagina is just one part of the vulva. So... Um, for the sake of the story, I said vagina because that was the terminology that I used with that child I was with. I always check in about parents, about what terminology they are comfortable using. And that family used vagina, so I used vagina as well with that family. So that being said, as a nanny, um, or even as an educator, if, if you're working with young children where maybe you're changing diapers or something like that, I would always recommend to ask parents what terminology they use with children. And of course, you can always give your opinion uh, if you feel strongly one way or the other, but definitely you want to, before you're teaching kids words like that, you want to make sure that you're on board, um, you're on the same page with the parents uh, because people have lots of different words that they use for those parts. Okay, so I guess that's it. Wow. We did a mini-sode. Hooray. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. Um, 
And while I'm on a roll, just thank you so, so much to everybody who donated, um, everybody who shared the project. If you want to find us online, you can do so by going to www.bradchildpodcast.com. You can shoot us an email at bradchildpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us pretty much anywhere else, um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Bradchild Podcast. So I hope that you do all of those things. Um, also, if you search Radchild Podcast on Kickstarter, you can find our Kickstarter page. Please, please help us get fully funded. I'm so excited about this project and I want to be able to do it just to its absolute best potential. Also, you can uh, search Radchild Podcast on Patreon as well and become a monthly patron. There are some little goodies there for folks who donate every month. You can donate as little as a dollar, honestly, like real talk. a month is helpful to me. That is one less dollar of my own money that I have to put into this thing. (laughs) Because um, let me tell you guys, it is a full-time job. Um, So thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. And while we're on the topic of thank yous, I have a few to dole out. So I wanted to try something a little different. Instead of just reading a list, I wrote a little song for y'all. So I hope you like it. Thank you are two words said too often. So instead of saying them, I thought I'd put them in a song. First of all, Denise, who makes all of our awesome art. Thanks for sharing your talent. That's really cool on your part. Second, to my marketing team, Alex, Adrian, and Jen. Volunteering your services and being really awesome friends. You might think the song's repetitive, and that may well be true, but I couldn't think of a better way to say my thank yous. So, without further ado, to our donors, to Leah, Teresa, Travis, and Vicky, Lindsay, and Adrian. To Lauren, Rose, Brian, and Joe, Katie, and Timo. To Leah, and Mitch, and Jennifer, Carol, Libby, Maggie, Michelle. To Max, Emmanuel, Morgan, and Lauren. And to Jennifer. To Masha, Caroline, Laura, and Hannah, Sarah, and Amy. To Leandra, Simona, Alex, Emmeline, Creative Traffic Flow. And let's not forget the very important guest. 1631091193. Guest one three five six three zero six eight hundred. Guest one six six eight nine three six one three eight. Guest two four six zero oh, one. Now I'm just pulling your leg. Two more to go. Are you still listening to this show? Thank you to the Upper Network for having faith in me. To Tom. Y'all are rad as can be. And lastly, to my wife, my daily inspiration. You may find that cheesy, 
way the song is done. Thanks, guys. Stay rad.